Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host, and today our scripture is taken from the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 3, which says, Who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. This, of course, is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ who loved us and who became flesh and blood, who grew up and uh, his whole goal was to go to the cross and to bear our sins in his own body as he hung there. But this is talking about him being seated at the right hand of God the Father, and he is ruling the earth today. It talks about the brightness of his glory and the person that he is sitting on that throne and upholding all things by the word of his power. Do you realize that the whole world and universe were created out of nothing? Just by his spoken word, all creation came into existence. What a great powerful God that we serve. What a great savior that we have who loved us unconditionally, takes us just the way we are, purges our sins and allows us the freedom to become children of God as we exercise faith in him and we can serve him and we can bask in his presence and we can do his work and do his will here on earth. Good day, thank you for joining our Moments from the Mission Field, with interviews and stories about how the Lord's work is reaching out globally through the agency of Mission Go. Today we have in our studio Doug and Linda Wilson, and they've been serving with Global Outreach as the uh, Director of Church Planning. Doug has a long experience as a pastor for 20 years and has also been planning a church in England for 12 years. And now he's um, going around the world trying to train pastors and to equip them to do the work of the ministry. But one of the things that I just recently found out about was the fact that um, 
not only are they good musicians, but I understand that music was a reason that they actually got together in the first place as husband and wife. And so I wanted to, to share that story with our listening audience today. Doug or Linda, why don't you tell us how, how you got together? Well, uh, thank you, Dr. Albrecht. Uh, we began Bible school together uh, back in the early 70s. And uh, we both uh, shared in common a couple of music classes while I was taking Bible classes, and Linda was also involved in various classes uh, in pursuit of our bachelor's degrees. And uh, before uh, class at one of our music uh, courses, uh, Linda began playing a classical number of music, and I have a little bit of a background in classical music. And so uh, she started playing something from Handel's Messiah, and I chimed in from the other side of the room and started singing it. And I think we both thought we were a little stuck on ourselves uh, at that moment, but uh, that eventually uh, ignited a certain common interest in a bond and like that. And both of us ended up uh, being selected to do solo work for the, for the school oratorio that year. And things uh, sort of developed from there as we had regular rehearsal times and then uh, no vocalist can ever have a good enough pianist, uh, just as also someone who uh, knows how to type and prepare papers and, and help with laundry and all kinds of nice things that Linda was able to do for me. <laughs> And so uh, she filled so many different roles that I could see in, in, in her uh, a great and godly pastor's wife in her future. Oh, thank you, Doug. It was really a very interesting beginning for us as we discovered each other from afar like that. And I remember hearing Doug speak of the way God had called him into the gospel ministry and, and as a singer as well as a preacher. And I remember thinking, I envy the girl who ends up getting to be his, his accompanist through life. And so I was, I was pleased as God unfolded his plan for us. And that was really exciting. And actually, your girlfriends back in the dormitory and some of my guy friends in my dorm uh, kind of had us uh, picked for each other long before we actually made the uh, connection. So uh, in some ways, it was a divine uh, intervention. In some ways, it was uh, destiny. <laughs> so we're always thankful to God for his leading. And uh, if you're parents and you're thinking about sending your children to a good uh, uh, Bible school, uh, one of the great objectives that uh, you can have is uh, is finding a, a life spouse. Yeah, there's usually a, a good supply of them uh, available. <laughs> and uh, so uh, we've, we've enjoyed music down through the years. Our, our daughters have uh, likewise uh, been involved in, in musical ministries and continue even to this day uh, with uh, their husbands and their families as well. They're in love with Jesus Christ and have healthy hearts, and I think uh, a singing family and music is one beautiful way to bind uh, our hearts together uh, as a family, not only as a church family, but also as individual family units. One of the things that I'm noticing uh, being the uh, president of the mission is the fact that so many people have come up to me and told me that they have a call to missions to go overseas and do something significant for the Lord. But they married a person who uh, didn't want to leave North America. And because of that, they some of them do a lot of short-term things. Maybe they'll go a couple weeks or a month or maybe two months max. But basically, they can't go full-time, even though 
they go over and have a real burden to meet needs in people's lives overseas and have a wonderful uh, ministry and a wonderful opportunity to see people come to Christ and to build up the body of Christ. And so I think the admonition here is to make sure that when we raise up our children, that we make it so that they are aware of the fact that they need to marry someone of the Lord's choice, just like happened here. We need to have uh, people that are willing to, to do what the Lord wants them to do and to go where the Lord wants them to go. And I think those things are really important things for today. Thanks so much for being in our studio, Doug and Linda. It was really interesting to hear your story and to see how the God worked in your life and eventually sent you to the mission field. And you're a real blessing today for the cause of Christ around the world. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. As you're aware, this is a listener-supported program, and we desperately need your prayers and your financial support, particularly over the summer months when it's very difficult to raise funds for Christian ministries. This month, we're offering a wonderful pamphlet by Dr. Fred Hartman named Decisions Have Long-Lasting Effects. Decisions Have Long-Lasting Effects. And it talks about sinful decisions that people in the Bible had made and what the long-term effects were for their descendants and for others and how that affects people. We wait upon the Lord when we ask things in prayer. We wait on Him to answer before we go ahead and act. And one of the prime examples in the pamphlet is Abraham and Sarah where they had a promise from God that they would have a descendant and then they acted on their own and um, Abraham went in with Hagar and Ishmael was born and of course Ishmael is still has a effect on Israel even to today. And so it's, so it's a wonderful pamphlet that explains how important it is to find the mind of Christ and to listen to him and then act on his will and not try to do things in our own flesh that have long-lasting effects for us and for our families and maybe for our descendants in the future. Please write in to order your copy at Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7 in Canada, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And the name of the pamphlet is is called Decisions, which will get you the pamphlet, but decisions have a long-lasting effect.
good day. If you, your friends from church, or family members are interested in more information about short-term or career ministry opportunities, or seeking someone to come to your church, or a group to speak about international missions, please call 866-483-5787 in Canada or 888-900-5048 in the United States or on the web visit www.missiongo.org. Today's message is from Dr. Fred Hartman and is a continuation of his Revelation series. Printed copies are available upon request. Today we continue our study in Revelation chapter 12. Already we've pointed out that there are seven main characters that will be involved in the tribulation period that are presented in chapters 12 through 14. They are the woman, the dragon, the male child, Michael, Israel's remnant, the beast out of the sea and the beast out of the land. In our last study, we covered the first five and one-half verses of chapter 12. We learned that the woman was Israel, the dragon was Satan, and the male child the woman brought forth was Jesus. Now we will go back to verse 5 and pick up the text. Here we learn that the male child Jesus, who came through the proper kingly line, will one day rule all nations with a rod of iron. This is made very clear throughout the Old Testament scriptures, that from Israel there would come one who would do exactly that. Though some might disagree, he has not yet returned to the earth to rule and to reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. So we're speaking of a future kingdom that will be everlasting, ruled over by our Lord himself. In the second half of verse 5, we read, And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. It does not take a college degree to know the Bible teaches that after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, he ascended to the Father with a promise of his return. We learn about this as we read Acts 1, verses 9 through 11. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld... He was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Today... Our Savior is seated at the right hand of God, ever living to make intercession for us until the day that he takes us home to be with him. The verse that follows, verse 6, takes a Herculean leap in time. We jump over the entire church age to the middle of the tribulation period. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. This is exactly three and a half years when you calculate it using the Jewish lunar calendar of 360 days per year. This ties in so beautifully with Daniel 9:27 and the book of Matthew. In the Daniel passage, we are told that the Antichrist will desecrate the rebuilt Jewish temple in the middle of the 70th week of seven years. 
leaving a three-and-one-half-year period of Jacob's trouble as recorded in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7. Furthermore, Jesus spoke of this time period in the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, beginning in verse 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand, or better translated, standing in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. We're not told exactly how the Lord will bring this to pass, nor are we certain as to exactly where the Jews will flee. Many Bible teachers hold it will be Petra, which is in Jordan. We also know from the prophet Zechariah that two-thirds of the Jewish people in the land will be killed during this period. We do know from Revelation 12, verse 6, that God will protect the remnant that flees as well as feed them. While the Antichrist is causing Israel to flee, there is something else happening in another sphere, heaven. John tells us there was a war going on in heaven. Michael and his angel, angelic forces fought against the dragon, or Satan, and his angels. We do not know how this battle will rage, but every time we find Michael, the archangel in the Bible, he is fighting on behalf of God and or God's people. He is apparently the defender of the Almighty. In the next few verses, we learn the outcome of this heavenly battle. Michael and his angels prevailed. And the results were both good and bad. Now, before you get upset with me, let me explain what I'm trying to say. The results were great for heaven. So great is the victory that Satan and all of his angels will be once and for all booted out of heaven. No longer could he stand before the Lord and accuse the brethren day and night. Heaven rejoiced for this was an amazing victory. However, the bad side of it is that Satan and all his fallen angels are cast out into the earth to do all their dirty work and to plague this planet for three and a half years. During this time, Satan comes down and unlocks the bottomless pit and causes horrible things to take place here. The demons which have been bound will be loosed and to unleash their terror on the inhabitants of the earth. The earth will be infiltrated by millions of demons, causing more trouble than the world has ever known. On the other side, it will be a great victory for heaven, as it will be the beginning of the end for Satan and his host. Though the people living on the earth at that time will not think so, God's plan will be moving to its climax as it always has and always will. In verse 10 we read, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. We see praise in heaven because of what took place. They were so glad to get rid of them. It will not be long before Satan and his angels will be cast off the earth into the lake of fire forever. We read about that in Revelation 20, verse 10. 
and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. From that time on, the earth and heaven will both be freed from his power forever. In verse 11, we learn about the word overcomer. It is speaking of how the believer is able to overcome Satan. Earlier, we saw Satan accusing the brethren. In this verse, we see how the brethren are able to overcome Satan. It is amazing to realize that believers can overcome Satan when we understand how powerful he is. At present, he is the God of this world. He is the prince of the power of the air. Can an individual believer overcome Satan? Yes, we can. There are three ways that will allow us to have victory over Satan. First is by the blood of the Lamb. This victory is never by our own strength, for we are but weak vessels. At present, Satan has access to God and accuses us day and night before him, but God simply responds that our sins are not for Satan to come to him about. Our relationship with God is eternal, and our sins are under the blood of the Lamb. Our sins are a family matter between us and God, and Satan can never win the case with his accusations. However, this never gives us the right to commit sin, and if we do, we need to confess it to the Lord right away. This verse is certainly portrayed so well when the songwriter penned, There is power in the blood. The second way that we can overcome Satan is by the word of their testimony. This way teaches that we can overcome Satan by a strong and very clear testimony for Jesus Christ. Your own personal testimony of the saving grace of Jesus Christ will often cause Satan to be defeated. I remember when pastoring, one morning a young married woman came into my office. She had heard the gospel through watching a program on television and wanted to be saved. That morning I led her to Christ. Shortly thereafter, she was baptized. At the conclusion of that service, I felt led to give an invitation for folks to come to Christ. Her husband, a Marine just returned from battle, came forward and received Christ upon asking him what caused him to come to the Lord. He responded that it was because of the change he had seen in his wife. Her testimony caused his life to be changed, and Satan was defeated once again. The third way that Satan is defeated, as recorded in our passage, is they loved not their lives unto death. We live in a day that many Christians around the world are being martyred for naming the name of Christ. Jesus said, He that findeth his life shall lose it, but he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Matthew chapter 10, verse 39. I remember the old saying, Finders keepers, losers weepers. Jesus said just the opposite. Losers keepers, finders weepers. The Apostle Paul assures the believer that when we die, we go immediately to be with the Lord, which is better than even living. Are you an overcomer? Have you come to the place that you have been 
cleansed from your sins by the blood of Christ? Just the other day, my wife and I attended the funeral of a young woman who knew the Lord, but her husband did not. She was with the Lord and he knew it. As we watched him during the funeral service, we could see on his face a mighty battle going on in his life, whether to trust Christ as his Savior or not. She had won the battle over Satan, but he had not. And we saw this troubled man struggling with this. The battle was raging in his life. It was her testimony that caused him to be deeply troubled. He could not resist the fact that she had something he did not have. Furthermore, he was struggling with the question, would he ever see her again? I would also like to ask you about how much you really love the Lord. If you were facing death because of your faith in Christ, would you be willing to give your life for his sake? Or would you back down at the last minute so you could possibly be spared the death sentence? I'm thoroughly convinced that the way things are going in the world it may not be very long before we as Christians might have to take a stand for Christ that could cost us our lives. There's a growing worldwide hatred of even the name of Christ, that it is despised by many. Things could change very rapidly, and true believers are very much in the minority. In closing, let me ask you if you're an overcomer. Are your sins under the blood of Christ? because you've trusted him as your savior? Do you have a clear testimony for Christ that would cause the lives of other people to be touched for the Lord? Are you such an overcomer that you'd be willing to lay down your life for the savior if it came to that? What kind of an overcomer are you? I trust the message you just heard will be a real blessing to you throughout this next week. And we trust that uh, God spoke to you through that message. And here at Canada's National Bible Hour, our great desire is to see people come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior if they've not already made that decision, the most important decision that a person can make in life. And of course, the Bible is very clear that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In other words, God is a holy God, a perfect God, a pure God. And uh, one sin will keep us out, keep us away from him and from living with him forever. And so God had to make a way because man's sinful and couldn't make a way. And he sent the best gift he had, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ became a babe in the manger. He was a God man. He grew up, uh, did several miracles and teachings. Uh, but the goal was actually to go to the cross and bear your sins and my sins and his body as he hung on that tree. And he made a perfect sacrifice. He was a perfect lamb of God. He did not sin. And so therefore he was qualified to die for us in our place. And he paid the penalty that we deserve. We deserve to go to hell. We deserve to pay for all our sins. But Jesus took our sin on him. And he died. And on the third day he rose again. And he's alive today. And what the Bible asks you to do is act in faith. Believe these facts that Jesus died for our sins that he was buried, that he rose again on the third day. And you ask him, you receive him into your heart. 
The verse that I came to Christ in is Acts 16.31, which says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe, trust in Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And I was saved as a young boy of 12, and it changed my life forever. Please write to Canada's National Bible Hour to get your pamphlet of Decisions Have a Long-Lasting Effect. You can, the address is Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7 or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. You can also visit our website and listen to past broadcasts of Canada's National Bible Hour and also our new internet service. If you have a smartphone, you can get it at MGO Radio, and uh, it'll be a real blessing to you. You can also get past uh, Canada's National Bible Hour programs at our website at www.missiongo.org. 